by popular demand. Place to be Nation Wrestling returns to the Dirty South for talking WCW. An episodic wrestler showcase designed to educate, evaluate, and entertain. With matches spanning the intimate stage of Techwood Studios to the heights of Space Mountain, talking WCW presents the best worst and most surreal offerings from world championship wrestling so cast your gaze to the turner tron with hosts jennifer smith tim capel and greg phillips hi welcome to talkin wcw my name is jennifer smith i'm here with my partner the jerry springer to my ricky lake Tim Capel, how are you, Tim? Oh, that makes my heart and my butt sad. Uh, yeah, I know. On this day of days. If you're not aware, folks, uh, on the date of this recording, Jerry Springer has uh, tragically left the world, and uh, we are all blessed for it. Um, diminished, if you will. But um, we shall soldier. we shall soldier on. And we shall bring in the what should Maury Povich, perhaps? Yeah. To our circus. Montel Williams. Montel Williams. <laughs> our Montel Williams to our Jerry Springer and Ricky Lake, and that is the immortal Greg Phillips. Greg, how you feeling this evening? I, this fine, crisp evening. When it comes to the case of talking WCW. We are all the father slash mother. <laughs> yes. Uh, and that is apropos because the wrestler we're talking about, uh, similar to Jerry Springer, um, was uh, quite a rebel in his day, um, is tragically no longer with us, and uh, was a father as well. Um, father, of course, uh, to the great Ronda Rousey. Uh, <laughs> what a great transition. Oh, honey bun. Carrying on good. his tradition <laughs> today. Right? <laughs> well, you ruined me already in the show, so good luck with that. All right. Thanks oh. very much, folks. We'll talk to you next time. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, uh, it's always great when you can start a show off with, uh, yes, our ho- our subject today has many things in common with uh, Jerry Springer. First of all, they're both dead. <laughs> they're both dead. They both hosted here, shows, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. And they were father's question mark. <laughs> <laughs> Biper had like six kids, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, we know. Yes. We know that he legitimately well we don't know they're all legitimate we know that he was a father (laughs) truly um factually but um the ronda rousey part is perhaps um, (laughs) somewhat in question i yeah let's hope so i didn't check wikipedia before it's not who wears the jacket better uh ronda or or roddy everything roddy does everything better (laughs) well yeah, I mean, Roddy's the originator, you know. Roddy's he's the he's the rebel without a cause. He's the he's the uh, well, he's Roddy Piper. 
Well, he's and he's the he's the rowdy Scotsman by way of uh, Saskatchewan, Canada, I believe. Yes. Um, yes. Now residing in the great northwestern city of Portland, Oregon. That's <laughs> right. Got it. Got his start uh, in wrestling and and the various uh, California territories and settled into Portland for a spell before making his way to uh, Crockett country. Right. Yeah. Um, this is all, by the way, after he uh, became affiliated with the Hart, the famous Hart family. Right. Yes. Fact, that... uh, how did how did how and when did he know Bret Hart, Greg? Do you do you remember uh, the circumstances there? As I understand it, and and this is I could I apologize if the details are a little off. But my understanding is that he was hanging around the Hart family when when Bret was knee high to a grasshopper, <laughs> <laughs> and his mama used to come in there and, and make him a sandwich. Only one piece of bologna for him, of course. But he'd make him a sandwich nonetheless, and 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 he'd just slap you around, and and there you'd be. <laughs> of course, she always liked me better. <laughs> that's uh and basically that's my understanding of of, of how he came to know the Hart family did uh like did the Brett... joker a little bit a little bit well could be i, I mean they they're they're cackling madmen in their own mm-hmm. ways so mm-hmm. i, I can um, see that well roddy kayfabe cousin of the Hart clan kayfabe cousin yes so i feel like he would know um did brett take his sandwiches with the crust on or off my understanding per Roddy is that Brett requested the crust to be taken off of the bread. Mm, his which, bologna sandwiches. Yeah, which which of course, which of course meant that he wasn't as tough as Roddy. Roddy was right. a little older, a little wiser, a little tougher. Mm-hmm. Always just a little bit willing better. to, you know, take in that fiber. Yeah. Very important <laughs> to have a high fiber, uh, high fiber diet, especially when you're in the Canadian wilderness and your father is you know, doing borderline sexual activities to you in the basement. Borderline. Wow. <laughs> My dad never did anything borderline in his life. He stretched young boys. There was nothing sexual about it. And yeah, uh, I can't help but notice you got some big arms there. What if, what if I stretched him? I bet Stu would have loved I bet Stu would have loved to run a rubber band factory. Think about uh, it. Mm. So much stretching. God, he could as long as he wanted to and never get tired. Stretch all day. Yeah. Oh, Just man. breaking rubber bands left and right. Absolutely. Now, now the driveway, the, the road to the hard house, was it crooked or was it straight? <laughs> to the dungeon. I, I think that it was <laughs> I think that that's actually something that you'd have to be there to know. I mean, mm. I don't want you to expose me as an Eric Bischoff like maker up of facts here. Tell tell <laughs> Yeah. All right. We would never do that. Oh, never. No. I've never. I have never once made an exaggerated story. <laughs> not on this podcast. No, no. That's not what we're about. Quite frankly, never. It's not what we do here. We're here for the facts and the the cold hard wrestling analysis. Right. The facts only. This is a no nonsense. If you're if you're if you're not interested in detailed star ratings, breakdowns of every move and hold, and timed uh. Uh, timed breakdowns even of the, of the intricate yeah. high spots, then this is not the show for you, quite frankly. We're here to talk about ex- wrestling as an exact science. That's what, we're, that's what we're about, quite frankly. That's what Piper's known for, surely. Yes. Is, yes. Uh, technical prowess. Mm-hmm. Yes. And oh. his, his, uh, his very clinical offense as well. <laughs> right. 
clinical for sure. No man, no man has been able to combine the 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 grappling skills of a young Ed Strangler Lewis with the offensive prowess of Curly of the Three Stooges. Right, <laughs> Rowdy Roddy Piper, in my opinion. I'm pretty sure that is why he has a black belt in judo. Hmm. There you go. Trained that by was... the great judo Gene LaBelle. Yes, was given to him by Gene LaBelle. Yes. Um, okay, so we've caught you up on uh, Something. Roddy Piper, where he come from. <laughs> where where he is now and where we are is in 1982 <laughs> as i said in crockett country we're in mid-atlantic it's my neck of the woods you guys mm-hmm. because under this definition of the mid-atlantic states <laughs> that's the carolinas that's the carolinas and virginians you guys and i in maryland i suppose um so this is actually you're probably going why the hell would tim pick this old ass fucking wrestling match i did wonder um because and i'll tell you this is i don't know how to describe it other than my oldest favorite wrestling match like as far as you can go back and watch wrestling and find things to enjoy um this is your break. I'm not saying, yeah, I'm not saying like there isn't stuff from 1981, 1980 that isn't good. But in terms of like what kind of really speaks to me um, and I, that I think is the best oldest match. And I think it's it's this one. Granted, I'm not saying I've seen a ton of like pre-1985 wrestling. Not exactly my bag. We're talking stuff that is upwards of 40 years ago mm-hmm. now. But um, I got to tell you, the first time I watched this, which was for right here on Place V Nation, the greatest WCW match of all time project, I was like, eh, what could this really be? And I was very, very pleasantly surprised watching this match uh, from 1982 in the Mid-Atlantic Studios. Um, you know, it's... It's one of those things where, again, I'm also I also haven't been exposed to a lot of um, the work of the Briscoes individually or as mm. a tag team. We're talking Jack and Jerry, right? Not yes, not uh, mm. Jack and Mark. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> so I should probably tell you what the match is for starters, not leave you in suspense. Uh, it is Roddy Piper versus Jack Briscoe, and it is for the Mid Atlantic Heavyweight Championship and. A $10,000 purse just to sweeten the pot, I suppose. Um, so the way this comes about, about is $7,000 of which comes from mid Atlantic wrestling and $3,000 of which. Yes. Wahoo McDaniel, presumably because the Crockett's were too cheap to come up with. This is amazing. Yes. This is an amazing detail that, and it's like such a self burial that I can't believe they even did it. (laughs) Because so what happens is Roddy Piper has has taken possession of the Mid-Atlantic Championship belt that is held by Jack Briscoe. He is refusing to relinquish it uh, unless the promotion actually signs the two of them to a match for the title. And for good measure, they need to put up $10,000 for him to go through with this. Only then will he relinquish control of the belt and uh and face briscoe in a one-on-one match so at the signing i guess so to speak 
here uh, again in Mid Atlantic. Uh, it's cash only, right? We're we're not going to be working with a a check. Uh, we're we're not going to be using negotiable bearer bonds. No checks. <laughs> Checks no checks in cash Scott. only, excuse me. Yeah. Yeah. No no checks in Scotland, baby. So a big wad of cash comes out and, and Roddy's Roddy's counting it very, very digi- diligently counting the cash mm-hmm. in this pre-match promo. And he says, You're scum. You're scum, Crockett. You're scum. Because they shorted him. They have shorted him the cash. Which I thought he was immediately. Lying. Yeah. I thought he was lying about it. I did too. Think. He's the heel. He's the heel, right? So he would be he would be just making up a story, trying to trying to extort them for still more money. That's the move, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But immediately they launch into some story about how oh, so close to the holidays, we you know we, we had a hard time uh, fronting the money. Like what holiday? This is the tenth of July. We're, we're some ways removed from Independence. I guess this could have been recorded a week or I, you know, but. Pretty weak, pretty weak. You guys can't come up with ten thousand dollars in your coffers, really, <laughs> cash. Um, so Roddy's like, "Fuck you, buddy." But he's ready to walk away. And I don't blame him. Oh, yeah. Quite frankly, I don't blame him. Uh, but quite outcome... frankly, I'm shocked that they are negotiating with kidnappers. First of all, <laughs> <laughs> and ma'am, for that title, that belt is ugly as sin. I'd be like, take it. Take hey, it well, off my hands. Here's, here's a little. Here's a little. Here's a little secret. Almost all the wrestling belts were ugly as sin back then. I believe it, but that one especially. Was <laughs> I guess that's trash. You know, I guess that's why they ran all the angles where they would do something to like physically destroy the belt and have to have a new one commissioned. I would like to destroy this belt. Yeah. Well, um, it's a. It's one of those deals where. Um, like you would see this, this I don't know that this is the first time it's ever been done. I, I highly doubt it, but this is one of those angles where the heel walks around, basically gets to uh, pretend and tell the whole world that they're the champion because hey, possession is nine tenths of the law, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so they they've got the belt. And the champion is now in the position of like chasing them for the prize that they already have, um, and you know you can get some. You yeah. get some good storytelling. Out of curiosity, out of, I feel like. out of curiosity, Tim, when was the first time that you encountered that angle in wrestling? In your- um, well, Mark, that that I am probably when Raven did it to DDP. Yeah, Raven did it to DDP. And, I, I, yeah, and WCW. That's, yeah, that's when. And Raven ended up winning, right? Winning the championship from him. Yes. The, yeah, because they were doing some angle. They were. Um, it was an MTV backstage thing that uh, DDP was like a special guest promoting something. Was it the music video? Was yes. it the Suck Mojo music I think video? It was the Suck Mojo video. Yes. <laughs> so he's like what? promoting that. It was. It was a. Uh, um, so Chris Jericho's band Fozzy before mm-hmm. um, before they were Fozzy and before Chris Jericho was um, a quote unquote musician. Uh, these were the guys, and that was their band mainly. Oh, and then okay. he came along, uh, and then they became. I think that's how it went. Yeah, yeah that's basically. They were stuck Mojo, and then they formed like a little side project with Jericho called Fozzy mm-hmm. Osborne. 
Fozzie Osborne. <laughs> uh, and then eventually they just became an act, you know, their own little deal and stuck. Mm-hmm. This is no longer a thing, but it's sort of like um, if if a you know the the expression of snake eating its own tail, but if that snake was represented in serpentine form by butt rock. It's sort of like ah, okay. butt rock going in on itself. Kind Rock of ate itself. Yeah. And something <laughs> else coming out the other end. But, yeah. Uh, well, so the- um, out, out comes Raven, DDT's uh, uh, DDP through like a glass table. Glass and, table. I remember it now. I, I can visualize it. I, remember, I must yeah. be watching it that afternoon. Um, yeah. The first time I remember it happening was um, – a little bit different than how they did it here, but it was the Mr. Perfect Hulk Hogan angle from 1989 where uh, I think the genius beat Hogan by count out. And so perfect and mm. stole the WWF championship. And then like uh, they did the whole possession as nine tenths of the law thing. And then Mr. Perfect said that he was going to destroy the championship with a hammer and uh, uh, to you know, send a message to Hulk. And he did, he, he broke it up with a hammer and, there you go. Like I said, you got to yeah. destroy these ugly ass titles. Yeah. So anyway, so here's Piper with the mid Atlantic uh, belt. And, and of course, because they don't have the full $10,000, he has to get uh, 3000 thrown in at the last second by the baby faces, Ricky steamboat and a very dapperly dressed Wahoo McDaniel. Right. I did yeah. not recognize so can... Wahoo. <laughs> I know. Well, it took me a second. I was like, Who's I was like, oh, okay. I, sure did. I, I recognize both of them. My greatest, <laughs> boy, my greatest, <laughs> My greatest teacher was Wahoo. <laughs> um, I think this was after the time period where Wahoo had uh, stopped exercising. The, uh, oh, okay. Great. The reason he gave Rick was, um, are you kidding me? At my age, I don't exercise anymore. <laughs> so, Why would you? <laughs> which he kind of has a point, I guess. <laughs> What's it all matter, Rick? We're going to die anyway. Yeah. <laughs> hey, well, you, you want to go to the gym with us? We're going to work out. I don't work out anymore. <laughs> we're going go um, to go to the gym and work out, and then we're going to drink for 24 straight hours. I'll do that part. <laughs> well, I can't wait to he, hear you describe this match, too. He just skipped all that. Um, <laughs> well, I know. I, I'm beating around the bush here. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, Wahoo and, and, uh, and Steamboat, yeah, front the rest of the money here, I guess. Because they hate Roddy Piper so much that even though they're um, criminally negligent organization that is that is bilking this man out of what they agreed to, the $10,000, they just want to see him get his ass whipped. Um, so even though their employers are a bunch of crooks, they don't care. They'll put up the money themselves, and we're off and running. So... And I love how skittish like Piper is throughout this whole segment. You can tell this is like just a world of of grifters and con artists. It's just it, you're one or the other, and it's all the same, right? It's 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 one person trying to out con the other, and if it's not if it's not the wrestler, it's the promoter, and it's just this is like the the world that we live in. That's the picture that's been painted by this. This quick little three minute promo where Roddy <laughs> is demanding the cash and they've shorted him the cash and now we're finding some other way to come up with it. It's just God, what a world, right? Just yeah. it, it sounds exhausting. But um it explains a lot about why Roddy Piper is the way that he is, I feel. <laughs> I feel like it would breathe uh, paranoia. <laughs> yeah, breathing very yeah, exactly. 
So anyway, all right, off to the match. It's against Jack Briscoe. How to describe Jack Briscoe? <laughs> Jack Briscoe looks like maybe he stepped off the set of Dallas, um, mm. the TV show, mind you, not the city. Um, <laughs> probably contemporaneous to this same match here in 1982. Yeah, he could be like a lost uh, Jock Ewing brother. You know? Yeah, I can, uh, I can picture him with I a like white, it with a white button up. You know, uh-huh. shirt, denim, you know, jeans with a big belt buckle and a cowboy hat and running a ranch. Like he doesn't he doesn't right. ride the horses. He just runs the ranch because he's got he's got wrestling to do on the side. But he comes back. Yeah. And everything's in order, you know. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah. After they fire the guy who stupid the um, the yeah. niece. Um, yeah. Yeah. I they, think they later retconned into his daughter or something. Anyway. um then Bobby Ewing off because he's being a little a little shit as usual. So, you know, they right. send him <laughs> and they'll tell him he has to deal with Briscoe if he screws up again. You know, exactly. Yeah. So anyway, that's Jack Briscoe. He's um, he's just he's very stoic. Right. He's all business mm. here. And that's what we get. Uh, bell rings and we're off. Uh, it's Briscoe just advancing on Piper. Um, leads to a series of really rough, like collar and elbow tie-ups. You wouldn't think that that's like a stiff move and it's such an elementary, fundamental move of wrestling, but they make it look really kind of yep um, gnarly the way they yeah. they hook up. They make it look like they're like legitimately locking up with each other and trying to gain an advantage. It's yeah, it, it looks quite legit. Uh, Piper goes for a body slam, trying to transition out of this. Um, but then a hip toss, Briscoe just has him telegraphed, has an answer for, for all of it. Um, just kind of demonstrating from the jump here that, that he is the more well-rounded, the, the more technically proficient wrestler here to Roddy's brawler, if you will. Um, mm-hmm. And Briscoe then fires off an arm drag, sends Piper rolling out of the ring. He's kind of he's rattled um, already in the early going of this match. So back of the ring... Piper does score a takedown, so we get a, a mat wrestling sequence out of this. Uh, yes. <laughs> I mean, straight out of, like, Kurt Angle's playbook that you would see um, when they would do these little segments, yep. you know, in the early 2000s. Um, Briscoe really just gets the better of all of that. Um, but Piper does um, get to his feet, manages to gain an advantage only by pulling the hair. So now he's immediately resorting to his cheating tactics. Briscoe is having none of that and just sends Piper out to the outside again. Um, takes a really just rough tumble. Uh, just they're milking these these bumps such as they are for all they're worth. I feel like, mm-hmm. um, and what is kind of a a minimalist sort of style here that they're they're working. They're making the most of what little they are doing, if that makes sense. Um, so there's a lot of nuance here in this match. So Piper is even more hesitant now upon re-entering the ring. Briscoe now catches him in a side headlock. Uh, side headlock, takedown, and here we're going to work, right? Um, Piper tries to counter out of that by sending Briscoe into the ropes to escape. Leapfrogs that rebound, but gets clobbered by Big Lariat. Um, that really pops the crowd because now we'd be throwing bombs. And uh, they're game for some of that because they want to see Piper get his ass whipped. Uh, 
more work with the headlock now. Headlock takeover on Piper by Briscoe. Um, Piper does manage to regain uh, his footing, but uh, Briscoe's just hanging in there, continues wrenching the move, just working it nonstop. Um, Piper runs up the turnbuckles in a pretty cool escape attempt, um, but Briscoe manages to hang on even through that. They're like rolling around now, somersaulting on the ring, and he's holding on to this move through all of it. Uh, Piper reverses into a pin attempt, thinking, okay, Briscoe's got to break the move now. Um, otherwise, he's going to get pinned. But um, nope, crafty crafty veteran Jack Briscoe here uh, manages to escape the pin and even maintains the headlock out of this. Yeah. And Piper is just flopping around like a fish now. Um, you can tell, like, he's, he's getting desperate. He's, he's got to find a way to break. Uh, finally does so by sending Briscoe up the top rope and then bringing him down in a belly-to-back suplex, which looks really, really cool. This is that whole sequence, which lasts, I don't know, about, it feels like about five minutes. I didn't actually time it. That's the most mileage I've ever seen out of somebody just working a, a side headlock, right? Mm. Um, and it just kind of kept me enthralled through all of it. At no point did I get bored and think we need to move on to something else because Briscoe is working the whole, the whole time. Right. Piper's trying to escape, trying to get creative. Um, and it just, it, it works really beautifully for this match. Uh, so now Piper, uh, with the slight advantage here, laying in a kick and then massive overhead chops that staggers Briscoe front face lock by Piper. And he transitions that into a pin of his own. Briscoe kicks out. And then Piper slams Briscoe's head into the turnbuckle, tosses him outside the ring. And that leads to an exchange of chops. Again, the fans are game for this. I am too. Uh, back on the inside, Jack attempts a body slam, but Piper floats over, locks in the sleeper, what will be his future signature move, right? Um, they're not putting it over like they would in later years where, you know, the ma- uh-huh. this is it, right? This is, right. you know, his finish. Um, but uh, we're just about under 12 minutes into the match. Both guys are pouring sweat. Piper is bleeding, presumably, I'm guessing, hard way at, you know, at some point. I don't think he bladed. It's been a rough enough match that I, that I could see it happening off of just anything, really. Um, but he's working that that sleeper. The champion hanging in there, fighting valiantly. Uh, Piper, you know, bringing Briscoe into a seated position, continuing to work that sleeper hold. Uh, Briscoe nearly goes out, but he has the sudden burst of energy at the last moment and makes the escape with a side suplex. Briscoe then hops on Piper's shoulders, applies a sleeper of his own. Piper now starting to fade, breaks the hold with some signature Three Stooges offense, an eye poke, Greg. <laughs> yeah. Uh, leads to an exchange of fisticuffs now. Um, really cool stuff. Chops and and uh overhand backhands punches uh piper then in the confusion is seen pulling a gimmick from his tights we're not quite sure what it is he's taking a powder on the outside but then uh hops back on the ring apron blasts briscoe with what turns out to be a roll of coins jack goes out cold and it allows piper to easily pick up the win and the championship so and now he is the ten thousand dollars. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's won it all. 
won it all here. Legitimately now the Mid-Atlantic heavyweight champion and $10,000 richer. He got his way. His scheme succeeded. Don't you love to see it? I love Did you love to see it? So I, I loved, I loved to see the end where he got hit with the roll of quarters. I'm going to call them quarters because I don't know why you would use pennies in the situation right. or any other coin. Right. Um, but like K-fade I get quarters, like the right, yes. Um, I just, I it's hard for me to get on board with like coming into it with the scene that we had. I thought it would be a little bit more heated. I thought Briscoe was more of a brawling type wrestler. And then he wants to put like endless holds on, on Piper. So I felt disappointed largely through the match. I just thought it was going to be different. Like it just, I was like, I, I like the side headlock work and stuff like that, but I don't know. Um, I thought it was that, that they did not have Briscoe involved in the segment before the match. Um, that was where, weird. Yeah. Like where, where he was, he was clearly in the building, but he was not, you know, taking umbrage with Piper being out there, you know, threatening not to defend the belt if he didn't get his, his 10 grand, but maybe there was, maybe there was a, a, a storyline reason for that. I'm not sure, but I did I think unusual. He just, yeah. Um, like if somebody stole my title, I think I'd be real, you know, hot about it. And it would kind of show in the ring, but he was just totally methodical about it on Piper. And the Piper has such this chaotic energy. He brought the chaotic energy. And then once he got in the ring, it was like, we're just trying to chop and, and escape from sleepers. Um, so anyway, but I really liked the studio setting. Like that's a treat for yeah. me. I don't watch a lot of these studio type shows. Um, except for NXT, I guess. Uh, but, uh, the crowd was like really into it. They were, they were, like you said, really hoping to see Piper get David, his ass beat. They're into it. <laughs> That's true. Yes. Um, but I did like the end. So the end was the fuckery that I, that I was sort of expecting and, and wanting to see, and then his whole performance after he stumbles over, um, screaming about, I hit him with nothing but power, and yeah. uh, uh, how he's the champion, puts the money in his mouth at one point, just really unhinged, which was just totally opposite from the energy that he brought to the ring. So. And he explains that the, the fans were the ones that threw the coins into the ring. It wasn't him. Yeah, yeah, he right. tries to yeah. blame, blame yes. the fans. I don't know what that is. Um. But yeah, it, it was it was just missing a lot of that kind of off <laughs> off the I don't know I don't know off the cliff type energy that Piper usually brings until the end. So <clears throat> I, I I get where you're coming from because I, I have that complaint a lot of times in wrestling that one WrestleMania whichever one it was that had Triple H and Randy Orton in it where they you know, they oh, gra- yeah. grappled for like 30 minutes or whatever after after the dude broke into his house. But uh, I I disagree on this match just because I felt that the method of so Jack just to Jack Briscoe's sort of history. He was an NCAA wrestling champion. Like he was like 
he really was the Kurt Angle of his day in wrestling. Like he mm. was a, a prodigy. Well, that makes more sense then. Yeah, he was a prodigy amateur wrestler that was like you know world class and considered at the time like the most one of the most legitimately tough guys in the wrestling business. But he but in the wrestling context, he wasn't necessarily a uh, a fighter per se. But like they, uh, so I I thought that it for for me it worked because Jack Briscoe would go for double legs and he would go for lockups and use his wrestling superiority to try to not just beat and humiliate Roddy Piper, but to hurt him. And I think that's kind of what I loved about this match was that it felt like everything was, sometimes you hear wrestlers talk in like uh, shoot interviews or whatever, or, or when they're explaining the craft of wrestling, they'll talk about wrestling with intent and no wasted motion things like that. And for a long time, I didn't really fully understand what that meant. Um, and, and I think over the time I've, at least in my definition in my head of what it means is kind of what these guys were doing a little bit. And then everything that they did in the match had a purpose behind it. It wasn't like, okay, this is the part of the match where we go into this sequence. This is the part of the match where one of us has to go up and hit a signature move. It was like, Everything is within the context of what just happened before and what they want to do to win the match. So like Piper uh, fighting out of that headlock for so long, he knew he was fading and, and getting more desperate to get out of it. And he just can't escape from it. And the longer he's in it, the more that Jack Briscoe is wrenching on it and hurting him and squeezing him and putting him in pain. Um, and the more he looks like a fool for not being able to escape what is essentially right. a basic hold, right? And and just little little nuances in this match, like um, Piper, I love the drop the drop down where Piper's actually trying to trip him with the drop down, and and Briscoe gets over him, and they do the leapfrog. Yeah, deal. he's like, are you kidding me? Yeah, yeah, they're 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 having these little str- little struggles in the in the various holds, the headlocks, the uh, the takeovers, the arm drags. Uh, it, all of that stuff, Briscoe has the advantage. But when it comes to the little tricks, the get, getting dirty, you know, Piper has the advantage. And Piper also, you know, he 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 wants to beat Briscoe in these areas, but he just can. Everything is with the intent of escaping a hold, applying a hold, getting the victory through any means necessary in Piper's manner. And I think in Briscoe's, the way I looked at it is, Briscoe had chances at times to beat Piper. But he wanted to embarrass him. He wanted to hurt him. He wanted to make him suffer a little bit because Briscoe's the former world heavyweight champion and, and you know, the more respected name at this point. And um, another little nuance to the finish that I loved was so Piper grabs the gimmick, the, the role of quarters, and, and uh, here comes Briscoe to attack him and he punches Piper and Piper falls down. He's still holding it. And then Briscoe himself, he's so upset and he's so angry with Piper he shoves the referee out of the way and that's what gives Piper his moment to then hit with the roll of quarters Mm. and do it in a way that the referee can't see it and disqualify him so he uses Briscoe's moment uh, Briscoe has wrestled the whole match for the most part under control he loses his cool in that one moment and Piper takes advantage to let his plan that he clearly had play to fruition so I, I really I really liked it and I also I've become more and more of a sucker for that style of, of wrestling, the the working headlocks and stuff like that, because I, I, it's so rare to see um, in modern. There's a lot of things in modern wrestling that are incredible to watch, 
that they didn't do back then. But like, it's very rare to see guys come out and, you know, do things with such intent and such um, wrestling, uh, trying to, to struggle within the wrestling element. And it really did feel mm-hmm. like a And I think at times I can understand also watching it uh, for some people, it might be, you know, it, it, it's not going to be the smoothest thing in the world. And they're not, they're not necessarily going to um, go into the wild, crazy brawl that we'll see in our next match, uh, which is, you know, obviously filled with violence. Um, but I thought that it was a violent style of wrestling, if that makes sense, mat wrestling to me. Um, so I think that's why it didn't bother me as much as it does with some matches. Um, and I thought I, I, I loved it. I was, I was enthralled because I've never seen it before. I haven't watched a lot of Jack Briscoe matches, single matches. What I have seen, I've loved, um, because he's kind of of that, you know, style of wrestler that I've always been a sucker for the Bret Hart, Kurt Angle style of wrestler. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm always, I was always been a fan of his when I've watched him. And, and I think that this was also a little bit of a different, different side of Piper, but a sign of things to come mm-hmm. with regards to his promo ability. Like I, I really want to delve more into mid Atlantic Piper uh, in my free time, because I've not seen a ton of his work in mid Atlantic. And uh, he looks like you can definitely see how, you know, Vince McMahon would have looked at him and said, my God, I got to get a hold of this guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I think um, had this gone longer, like this, that you know, there are some versions of this match that are like twice as long, right? It's like upwards of 30 minutes. I think that could have gotten a bit tiresome, but mm-hmm. it's just the right amount of time. It's about a 15-minute match, right? Um, and I just found it well-paced. Um, but mainly what spoke to me are just the characters, the contrast between the characters primarily and the story that they tell here through what is ostensibly just a a very, again, kind of meat and potatoes wrestling match, but it's, it's Roddy Piper who has done so much outside the ring to stack the deck as much as possible against his opponent. He's making all these demands. He's going in with, you know, all these conditions and you've got Briscoe, who's this sort of world-weary, um, consummate professional, very just very steadfast in his approach, um, and he sees exactly what Piper is doing. And instead of uh, kind of succumbing to his emotions and letting this get personal, um, he's not really taking this thing personal. He's he's going to handle it, go out there and handle it as a professional, and he's going to actually force Piper to wrestle his kind of match instead. And and so that's the advantage that he has. That's how he's leveling the playing field, so to speak, against this trickster really in, in Roddy Piper. But uh, to Greg's point, all it took, all it took was just that, that one moment of, of just unbridled chaos at the end, just, just that one brief, uh, instant where briscoe does lose his composure and he loses the whole match he loses the championship loses the money he's lost it all here and you know to the victor go the spoils here roddy piper like you can tell it it didn't take much he just had to survive long enough to make briscoe slip on that that banana peel yeah Um, what the cameras didn't pick up on at that time because of the technology is piper actually whispered to him 
that his mother made bad bologna sandwiches, which is <laughs> that's what it was. That's what that's what did it. That's where that's where I got personal. Yeah. And uh, Briscoe just couldn't handle it. But yeah, I, I just love the the story that it's told. Um, I thought it was a, an engaging match. It's uh, I, I think wrestling with purpose is a good way to describe it. And it, it's the exact opposite of where you see a, a match of this vintage where there's a lot of holds and they're all just what we would call rest holds, right? And it's literally just, okay, a guy needs to take a break here. <laughs> Um, and that is that is the complete opposite of wrestling with purpose, right? I, I think that's the type of thing you see in a lot of, um, I hate to say it, but like Rick Rude matches where it's like, oh, God, here we go with the chin lock. Here we go with, you know, the, the headlock that goes on for too long. Here we get a headlock that lasts for five minutes, but yeah. it's part of that story that's being told. And there's little in- intricacies, you know, on either side of that. Um, and I just found it really remarkable in its ability to to hold my interest and hold my attention because I don't think of a match like this as as really being capable of doing that. So I'm probably overrating it, but I just think because of sort of the inherent difficulty going in, given my own taste in professional wrestling, for this to impress me as, as much as it did, I'm kind of like very high on it. And I know we're pushing the threshold here, 1982 of what is truly WCW, but (laughs) in my mind, yeah, you know, anything to me, anything Crockett from 1980 on, I'm just counting as, as WCW. I'm just sort of retroactively putting it into the WCW bucket, even though yes, we're truly in the territory days here, the dying territory Mm -hmm. days, but But such as it is. We got into like, late 80s Crockett stuff there's no reason not to include this right no reason not to yeah where it's got that same lineage yeah it's exact same company it's still you know uh yeah it's the same it's the same same territory same same yes uh, lineage as you put it and that's going to continue that continuity Mm -hmm. into our next pick right it will um i This is pretty much the match that I think of when I think of Piper. Mm-hmm. And so it is from Starcade 83. It is the dog collar match with Greg Valentine. A little mm-hmm. bit infamous. Uh, I feel like a lot of people have probably seen this at some point. Like, it's not a This hit. is probably a lot of people's oldest favorite match. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Right? Yeah. Um, in terms of 1983 is pretty old. Yeah. yeah. 1983 is pretty old. Old as I am. Old I, as I am. <laughs> I've seen this show a couple, couple of seven times because I would fall asleep after I would put it on, you know? Yeah. And, uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Ringing endorsement. Yes. Especially during the overrated main event, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> I don't know. I like, well, even I have a soft anyway. spot for this show. I, I like this show. I yeah, even like the overrated fun. main event. Yeah. It's, it's just, yeah, I don't too. know. It's a comfort food kind of thing. Gene Kaniski, you can go to hell. It, <laughs> yes. <laughs> he does suck. Yes, he does suck. Uh, and Tony, Tony is so young in this. Um, yes. When he's in the backstage with Harlan and mm, Flair yeah. and it's Flair for the gold and everybody is just all yeah. horned up yeah. for Ric Flair. Um, but then <laughs> out come these motherfuckers 
and uh, Greg Valentine, always fun to watch for me. Uh, and, and don't forget about the, the announcing crew here before we get to the wrestlers. I mean, my goodness. Oh, of course. We got the, who, we got, who we got for announcers? Well, we, we've got Gordon, uh, Gordon Soley with uh, talking about the, uh, the uh, prefrontal cortex. Uh, that everybody was hitting throughout the match, and you've got the dulcet tones of Bob Cobb, ah. gentle Southern man that could be your father, your uncle, or your grandfather. You're not sure how old he is, <laughs> or I how think drunk he's he is. more. My well, he's my father, and Gordon Soley is my my grandfather. I like that. Bless his heart. I mean, we're and about an hour fifteen into the show. Gordon Soley's probably about four vodka sodas into the show. <laughs> Um, but we love him for it. And I going back to the air and Piper holding that prefrontal cortex again. <laughs> he can still say prefrontal cortex, which is pretty which is impressive good. for, yeah, for an inebriated is broadcaster. A, is there like a, a medical word for ear that he could have pulled out here instead of just saying <laughs> ear? Mm, I don't time? know. Right. I don't know. Cartilage. What is it? External. What is it? What is it that Gorilla Monsoon used to call the external occipital protuberance? Protuberance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we get those guys, and they are, first of all, they're putting over the chain, um, how deadly the chain can be, we uh, how heavy it, it is. Chain. <laughs> That's what he said. I heard that. Oh, my God. And uh, Piper has a pre-existing ear injury from, I think, a ring bell shot uh, from Mr. Valentine previously. Well, that's why it was the the year of the year. The the year of the year is easy for me to say. The year of the year? Which is going to continue. Yeah, the the ear damage, damage, is going to be kind of a theme of this match, right? Mm -hmm. There's... There's so much tension in the beginning because it it looks scary. Like it looks freaky. Yeah. I, I think this was the first dog collar match. I think I read that somewhere. Um, but at least probably the first one that a lot of people had seen. Yeah. But before yeah. that, they like while they're setting up, they do these sitcom style break ins with just like a photo of them looking so vanilla and smiling and they yep. flash these cards up as they're in the ring getting freaking collared up. It is so awkward and hilarious. I was gonna ask y'all what was up with that who was that blonde guy that was like standing next to Valentine? I want to know his story. I yeah I did and then all of a sudden they throw up some spinning card with greg valentine's stern face on it he was just deadpan just like i mean piper was smiling and then (laughs) and valentine just stony faced um so they make the big production out of getting them all collared up and tied up and and then they start just basically with tug of war with their necks which looks horrific to me like it really does mm-hmm. yeah out of all the crazy insane brutal shit they do in this match that initial tug of war is just like a real tension builder um i thought they were wonderful in building that first shot up um with the chain and piper gets that first strike uh to a big pop mm. um 
and then they kind of feel each other out a little bit. I think they're getting used to, you know, the chain and how it feels around their neck. And, right. Um, but once they start gathering up that chain and start taking shots at each other, they warm up fairly quickly. Greg doesn't have much luck uh, getting Piper in the beginning, but uh, finally he gets some elbow uh, shots in there, and then he uses uh, the chain to go right at that ear. Um, first thing, first chance he gets, he goes right at that ear. Um, he wraps the chain around Piper's eyes and his throat in the middle of the ring, just pulling it tight. Great visual on that. And then Piper turns it around on him and uh, gets the chain around his face in his mouth in, in Valentine's mouth. Uh, sick looking spot. And, and this stuff oh. just looks so real. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, there's real, no other way to put it. Yeah. It really does. Yep. Piper uh, eventually wraps the chain up around the turnbuckle and uses his leverage to pull on it and basically like choking Greg out that way in the corner. Chokes him hard. So much choking based offense as you would imagine in a dog collar match. Greg escapes um, to get Piper by the throat uh, under the rope. He's just vicious. And they slip under the rope to the outside where Piper just kind of blindly grabs a chair, kind of tries to chuck it at him, and Greg starts to bleed really well. I'm not sure at what point he – I don't know if it was the chair, but it was when they were on the outside when you started seeing his blonde hair <laughs> turning red. Yep. And get used to it because there's a lot of blood in this match. Uh, Greg, again, attacking the ear, punching it, a lot of punching, shoves it against the post really hard on the outside, and then pulls them into, back into the ring by the chain, which was really cool. Um, Gordon starts talking about Piper's equilibrium, how the ear is starting to affect him in the match. He's his balance getting off and Piper's kind of stooging around, um, acting off balance. A great attention to detail and, and great for Gordon to try to, you know, play mm -hmm. up this feature of the ear injury. Piper flailing around all over while Greg finally covers for two after some elbow drops um, as Piper's laying on the map. Uh, Valentine tries to bounce off the rope but Piper, you <laughs> thought he was resting. No, no. Dr Greg jerked off of his feet uh, by Piper. Jerked off. Yeah. yeah, jerked off his feet. Lena by, uh... jerking edge off <laughs> the ladder. And then he just starts uh, attacking him with more punches and kitchen, kick it, kicks and goes nuts on him. Pummels him with the chain. Hard strike right on the top of the head, too. Um, Gordon starts worrying about a concussion on, on Valentine now. Then we get more punches back and forth. Greg takes a wallop to the jaw, um, just a huge hand by Piper right in the middle of the ring. And Greg keeps trying to pin him, but Piper keeps kicking out. Piper not covering much at all. He, I think he's enjoying the rope <laughs> or the chain yeah. part of it. Um, they start fighting for a suplex finally. Um, cause I mean, we're just doing chain work, right. kicks, punches, Actual wrestling move. Yeah. Yes. Basic stuff, but brutally. Um, and then they, they are they're fighting over the suplex by this time. The blood is absolutely poured 
to Greg's like torso, his ribs covered in blood. Like he is, he is all about covered in blood. Um, Piper gets the suplex and they lay for a minute while the ref counts. I don't know why we're no DQs here, ref. I'm not sure what you're counting, but um, Greg finally grabs the sleeper and you know, he's working it and slowly Piper's gathering the chain in his hand. I guess he's trying to, he's trying to hide it from Greg. I'm like, uh, pretty sure he can see you, but it worked as far as, uh, what he does next, which is just reach back and strikes him as they fall back and hits, uh, Greg right in the head, uh, as they fall. And then he, he basically gets Greg over to the corner Jerks him again, violently to the ground, uh, just starts hammering with the chain mm. and wraps his the chain around Greg's knees to kind of pull up during the cover and finally gets the win. Um, I love the finish. Like he just the way he just starts wailing on him as Greg just lays there defenseless was amazing. Um, Piper almost gets carried out of the ring with two random guys. I, I'm not sure who the, the guys yeah, are that, with them. Well, that was about either, but, <laughs> and, uh, no, Greg's not having that. He, he, he attacks, um, and chokes Piper over the top rope. Um, in mm. a pretty cool looking bit of violence at the end in a match filled with cool violence. I really like this. Like, I know I'm not the only one and, a there's nothing I can really say that hasn't been said probably about this, but it is a hell of a fun match. And I was reading a little bit about, cause I wondered what they said about it, you know, how they felt about it because there, there are some lasting injuries from Piper. Um, yeah. From continuing to do this because his ear got so fucked up. He lost a lot of hearing and then yep. it was so popular that they had to keep doing this, this match across the territories. Right. Yeah. And I just think that's amazing. And, uh, this match to me is pretty revolutionary. Um, no doubt. I, it, stiff is not the word for it. Uh, <laughs> when it comes to this match, because this is a no shit steel chain, right? There's, there's no gimmicking that. Um, so I know you can, there are guys who are really good at throwing working punches, right? But how are you going to throw a working chain shot? Like if you're hitting somebody (laughs) to any degree with a steel chain wrapped around your fist, I mean, sure you can pull your punch, but if that thing's making contact at all, that hurts like a motherfucker, you know? Um, and then you got perhaps like, you're dropping his elbow like right on top of Piper's skull when he's yeah to say him. nothing yes. for that right it's like any think of like any kind of bone on bone kind of um <laughs> like the type of stuff that Regal does you know like it, yeah, just, it looks yeah. like it's so grinding it's it's like no it, it's not going to concuss you necessarily but you're going to be covered in welts and bruises the next day. And I just feel like that's what this type of match is, just nonstop getting hit with something that is so completely unforgiving that there's no way to really do it safely. You've just got to mm-hmm. you just got to eat those shots. And to your point, Jenny, the fact that this was not just one and done, they have to run the match all over the territory 
uh, because it did prove so popular in front of multiple different audiences and and venues. Uh, these are some tough sons of bitches. That's all That's I can wild. say. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, and I, I figure as they keep doing it, they get better at you know kind of minimizing they probably some figure of the out, impact. Yeah, mm-hmm. but yeah. not here, <laughs> not the no, first time. I mean, this is one of the because most... it's got to look good for TV, you know. Th- right. This has to Hell yeah. with a crowd that where it's 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 not being filmed, it's never going to be shown uh, to a wider audience. It doesn't have to look good for the camera. There's no camera present. It's just got to. Just got to fool the marks who are there. Right? Got to look good for the people in the front row, right? Mm-hmm. That's but, about it. But the this is this is a a straight up fight. Like this is like a, uh, a mm-hmm. and it's and I love the tip. We'll we'll get back to this in a little bit. This topic, but I am never ever 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 a fan of champions and non-title matches on pay-per-view events or mm-hmm. marquee events, if you will. However, in this case, it makes sense because they said the uh, Crockett promotions were not willing to sanction this match because they knew how yeah. violent it was going to be. They weren't going to sanction it. And for that reason, Valentine's uh, United States Championship is not on the line. So it's just a fight for honor between uh, the aggrieved Roddy Piper and the man who's been tormenting him, Greg the Hammer Valentine, my namesake, uh, who I've always yeah. had. A <laughs> of course. Uh, they say it takes him, what is it, 15 minutes just to get warmed up, Tim? 45 minutes. 45 minutes just to get See, that's the problem. That's why 45. he lost. He would have won this match if he had, <laughs> had the mandated 45 minutes that it takes for him to get warmed up in every match. But right. uh, He didn't even get warmed up. No. He got not. bloodied that's without crazy. getting warmed up. Look at that effort he put in without even being warmed up. Incredible. He, they're, they're, jerking, <laughs> they're jerking each other violently. They're going bone on bone. They're doing <laughs> Very sexual match. In 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 the ring, but no. If you have any kind of choking kink, this is the match for you. Absolutely. I. You know what? I I was gonna say if I had one. Okay, two criticisms of this otherwise fine match. Um, I do like the finish for what it is. I think it really works. I agree with you, Jenny. Part of me though wanted to just see Piper choke him out with the chain. Yes. Choke him the fuck. Same. You know. That that'd just be that that would um titillate me in other ways uh, my Ooh. my second criticism is a very juvenile one uh and it's that they have the exact same tights on not oh yes i hate the that same color, i do hate that yeah, yeah the same shade of tights and everything like it's not even it's it's hard to even um distinguish them it, i mean it they, seems they, like they, that was a common thing back then and i don't really yeah and it I'll was like, yes like, it's very it's annoying such a it's such an avoidable thing right yeah. All you got to do is, hey, what are you wearing tonight? Blue. All right. Well, I guess I'll wear red. You know, yeah. one of them wearing white would have been nice because of all the blood. Oh, uh, sure. that would have been great. Right. Yeah. But but no, I, 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 I mean, this what more can be said? This is one of the most famous matches and whatever you want to call it. WCW, Mid-Atlantic, Crockett, Starcade history. It's uh, it's the dog collar match. People talk about uh, to this day up until recently. It was inarguably the best dog collar match and and there's uh the violence it made in i wouldn't say that necessarily made their careers they were already big stars but it's undoubtedly one of the things that people think about if they're wrestling fans and they think of roddy piper and they think certainly of greg the hammer valentine probably his most famous moment in wrestling um is is this legend 
this legendary yeah. match because of the exposure it had nationwide. People got to see it and and it's and it holds up. It's, it's a brutal, bloody fight. Um, it set a template that people tried to copy for years to come in terms of how you do these types of matches. Uh, I don't think I until like I said until the last maybe year and a half when AEW and Ray of Honor had some really good dog collar matches. I don't think that I ever really saw mainstream companies do dog collar matches that were close to this good, like or, or chain matches that were close to this good. I remember right. Boloff yeah. having a you know pretty mediocre one at some pay per view when I was a kid, and um, they, they none of them could could match this violence. And obviously, it took a toll on the performers. Both guys had injuries coming out of these chain matches, but um, I, I loved it. Great fight. I will say, I'll be that guy. My one little nitpick. I actually I don't love the finish because mm-hmm. I feel like a match that violent, that brutal that visceral needs something more after all of that than him falling off the middle rope and Roddy, like, you know, loosely hooking his leg with the chain. I, I would have liked to see a choke out or, or even if Roddy had gotten on top of him in like the mount position and gone bone on, right, bone, right, bone, on bone. bone on bone and, and, and just beat him in the head with the chain until he like was knocked out or something. I would have, that would have given me personally a catharsis, but I'm also like, the the one person in the universe that doesn't like the War Games '92 finish for a similar reason. So I oh, get you're not the only one. <laughs> kind of an I'm kind of an outlier on on finishes sometimes. But but that being said, the match is unbelievable, unbelievable. Like it, it it's amazing how well it holds up. Um, what are we 40 mm. years later at this point? So yeah. it's uh, I guess this is the 40th anniversary of that match, right? Coming Maybe. up. Yeah, so uh, it is. Yeah, um, I would say uh, of of the three matches that we watch here today, I love the first one. We'll talk about the third one, but this is the match to watch if you have to watch just one match coming out of the show. And you, if you haven't somehow seen this match, pull it up on uh, Peacock or wherever you can get it and and watch it because it's a it's a brilliant piece of business and one that um, both guys made a reputation off of. Agreed. I will say this. Also, for just the, watch all of the, Starcade '83. Yes. Yes, please watch all Starcade '83. It, I I have such a not just a soft spot for it. I just, I just think it's a. I would. Um, I a would really interesting show with a lot of yep. variety. On Absolutely, it. I would give yeah. I would give good money to people to give me more good footage of uh, the tag team of Slater and Orton, who I absolutely fell in. <laughs> I watch this yeah. show. Can't find a lot of footage of them together. So. I thought you were um, going to say uh, Sully and uh, what's his face? <laughs> oh, no. Coddle, yeah. Sully and Coddle, that's a separate team. Well, sure. Yeah. I would love yeah. to I would love to see more footage of them together, too. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Sully and Coddle, calling matches with Slater and Orton. That would be <laughs> You know, and watching this, this back, which I have actually been watching the match in the background as we talk about it, that finish, though we we don't love it, Greg. I think it's necessary because it allows them to do the heat segment immediately afterwards. Post match, yeah. Yeah, because it's like the idea is is this is not uh, not yep. the end of the road here. This is gonna this thing is gonna continue, and so you do have Valentine kind of getting over on Piper even in defeat there, mm-hmm. um, which. You can't really do that if, if Piper straight up chokes him out and he's left 
laying in a heap of his own blood and sweat and urine and feces and vomit. <laughs> <laughs> like we wanted. Like we wanted. That's a fair point. <laughs> so, had this been truly the conclusion, the blow off, if you will, that's the way to go. And I guess the frustrating. And perhaps part, they did that. Perhaps they did that at some point. I think I, the frustrating part is the true blow offs would have been at the house shows in those days. Right. We wouldn't have seen well, them. I, yeah. Because what, what is it? It's less than what, six months later, and both guys are up north in the WWF, right? Mm hmm. Uh, yeah. Early yeah. to mid 84 is when they both went up to, uh, to, to, to New York. Yep. Well, that's the cool thing about Roddy Piper, right? Has the distinction of appearing on the first Starcade and the first WrestleMania. Yep. So. yep. Yeah, hell, a hell of a piece of business. And then for 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 my piece of business that I selected for this uh, for this episode, we're gonna have to fast forward quite a lot. We're gonna go <laughs> past the first. We're gonna go past uh, uh, Roddy Piper's retirement match, even uh, in nineteen seven. Yeah. Believe it or not, against Adrian Adonis. We're gonna go past They Live. And the meteoric Hollywood rise of Roddy Piper. We're going to go past Morton Downey Jr. We're going to go past the bologna sandwiches at WrestleMania 8. We're even oh. going to go past his legendary encounter with Jerry Lawler at King of the Ring 1994. We're going to go all the way to 1996. Just think back to that year. The Gin Blossoms were popular. Mm-hmm. Friends was the number one show on television. You had... Uh, other things happening in 1996. I the, think he covered it. The Macarena. Jim Blossoms and Friends. That's not it. God damn it. The yeah. Macarena became popular that year. Anyway, all kinds of shit. But the NWO was birthed in 1996. The New World Organization, brother, was of wrestling. born uh, that year and was taking the world by storm. It had transformed WCW overnight. And uh, Hollywood Hulk Hogan and his band of cronies, the Outsiders, Ted DiBiase, uh, the Giant, they were just running roughshod over WCW. They were uh, they had you can't forget six uh, six. That's right, six pack. They they had uh, they they had run roughshod. They defeated the Giant and then turned him to their side. They they had dispatched of Ric Flair. They had dispatched of the Macho Man Randy Savage. And turned him even, or about to turn him rather. They turned Elizabeth to their side after after Hulk Hogan forced her to tell him that she loved him, even though she don't. <laughs> yeah. and, and, so, and so at this point, if you're a fan of tradition, if you're a fan of world championship wrestling, you're thinking to yourself, who is there? Who's going to save us? Stings off in the rafters being emo. Lex Luger is still <laughs> it's undetermined at this point. We don't know what's happening. DDP is still a bad guy. He's not yet. He's not yet. Yeah, he's probably next to Jordan for all we know. Yeah, so so what's it going to be, brother? What's it going to be? And sure enough, here, out of nowhere, comes the hot rod, Rowdy Roddy Piper. He makes an appearance, I believe, at the end of Halloween Havoc 96. Yeah, after they, uh, after uh, Hollywood Hogan and Macho Man Randy Savage worked their comedy match um, on the heels of one of the most <laughs> intense angles in all of wrestling a really logical well thought um intricately written sequel to the you know implosion of the mega powers this is the next logical extension of that and we're going to cap it off with um 
boy, you talk about some three Stooges offense. This was some uh, some three Ninjas offense here at Halloween yeah. Havoc in that main event. There there were two pays involved. Yes. The, yeah, very two pay based offense uh, there in that match. So so the the hot rod comes back, and then it's just the question of what does this mean? What does this mean for 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 WCW? Is Roddy Piper signed? Is he going to come in and and take on Hulk Hogan uh, and, and try to take take down the NWO? Well, we start hearing on commentary for weeks on Monday Nitro from the commentator uh, Eric Bischoff, who we know is also the president of World Championship Wrestling, saying that he's been in contact with Rowdy Roddy Piper and he's assuring people that Rowdy Roddy Piper will be coming to WCW and he's eager to take on Hulk Hogan. Well, this goes on week after week after week, and Eric Bischoff starts to tell us, well, you know, negotiations aren't going great. You know, things keep breaking down a little bit. We're going to get it signed. We're going to get the match signed. But he keeps putting it off and putting it off. And he says finally that, you know, he met with Roddy Piper, and and by God, Roddy Piper just doesn't want to do it. He doesn't want to – he's – you know, it's it's not going to – it doesn't look like it's going to happen, at least not yet. And they – and this all leads to – Tim, I believe I've told you this before in the past. Mm-hmm. My favorite Nitro segment of all time. Yeah. Which is uh, Hollywood Hogan and uh, Eric Bischoff, I believe, is already in the ring, if I'm not mistaken. And and Bischoff's explaining to Hogan. Hollywood Hogan is saying that Piper, Piper's not going to, he's going to run scared, brother. He wants nothing to do with me, dude. And then Bischoff's like, it's going to happen. It's just not going to happen yet. And then the bagpipes hit. And the arena explodes. Mm. And out comes Rowdy Roddy Piper, looking like a badass. Leather jacket. Here he comes, and he's got he means business. He comes into the ring. And in 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 just what I think is just a masterful pro wrestling segment, lays it all out. He, we don't know what he's gonna say. I'm a 12-year-old kid. I'm at the edge, edge of my seat watching this at the time. And it's like he stands there, and I don't remember the promo verbatim, but he says. Basically, he exposes that Eric Bischoff has been lying to everybody for months. And he says, I've never. When you, when you flew here to the arena, Bischoff, did, did you fly coach or did you fly first class? Which was it? <laughs> you know, he's interrogating him. Yeah, yeah. And he says, he says, I never met you in my life. You say you came to my you say you came to my house. Wait, is the road crooked or straight? And Bischoff's starting to stammer. And he's like, well, I don't remember. I don't. Remember. <laughs> is it crooked or is it straight? So then the next thing you know, like by the end of this segment, Piper has exposed that the guy that has been responsible for this whole thing, the NWO, has been Eric Bischoff. He's been the sponsored corporate takeover from the inside. And yeah. and Bischoff and Hogan and the NWO lay a beat down on Piper and a go after his artificial hip yeah. that he that he's had from a motorcycle accident years earlier. And uh and they're they're they lay him out and yes it's and Bischoff has officially turns heel for the first time ever, setting off the rest of his career of course, and he becomes the toady of 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 Hollywood Hogan, and it I love this segment I would encourage anyone if you haven't ever seen this segment on Nitro, I don't remember the exact episode, go watch it it's amazing, uh it it to me it put context to the NWO storyline that made everything little little nuances work mm-hmm. and and added context to things that had happened months earlier and it, it's just great shit and so that all leads us to starcade 1996 which is my match that i've picked this week the main event hollywood hulk hogan 
versus Rowdy Roddy Piper in a battle of the icons to determine who the greatest icon of wrestling is. And um, before, now I mentioned earlier in the show when we were talking about the Valentine match, that match was non-title, but it didn't bother me because there was a reason for it to be non-title. This one bothers me because this match is non-title. Oh, yeah. Even though Hollywood Hulk Hogan is the NWO slash WCW heavyweight champion of the world. It's, it's non-title, but don't worry about it. Just we, we don't talk about that. Right? Yeah, we, we don't, we don't talk. we're going to we're going to do an interview at the beginning of the show. Well, by the way, Roddy Piper cuts an absolutely unhinged interview at the beginning of the show with me and Gene back. Oh, yeah, it was amazing. I, I can't begin to transcribe it for you, but you gotta you gotta see it to believe. <laughs> He's all over the place. It's it's great, and uh and, and in that G- Mean Gene of all people makes it sound as if this is gonna be for the title because he calls Roddy Piper the challenger. Mm-hmm. So they start the you know and, and I think the audience thought it was for the title. That's the impression I got. And so they were definitely trying to make people think it was. So, and <clears throat> yeah. that's partly storyline as well. It was sort of like well because the announcers. After the fact, are sort of like, well, we thought it was for the title, right? <laughs> yeah, well, uh, that that's the, it, it was such a hot time for the business. It, like the NWO storyline was really by this point really starting to catch fire, and people were getting into it. You can see it with all the shirts in the crowd, and uh, which sets up a great line of dialogue at the beginning of this match, where Tony Schiavone says, uh, "Look at you've got people with NWO shirts, and they're chanting Roddy." And then, like, maybe a, a, I'm talking five to ten seconds later, Dusty goes, and that ain't all, Tony. You got a lot of them people in them NWO shirts, and they're rooting for Piper, too. <laughs> and he goes, he goes, oh, did you just say that? And Tony goes, yeah, I did. <laughs> it's outstanding. Uh, so that sets us up. Hollywood makes his entrance first. The champion comes out first, which is unusual. And he comes out with uh, Ted DiBiase who had just gotten into the hair dye that morning, I think. Uh, he's walking alongside him. Miss Elizabeth. The shoe polish. <laughs> Miss Elizabeth, and I think Eric Bischoff, maybe, although he doesn't stay at ringside. And uh, they're walking down, moseying their way down down the aisle. And uh, Hogan gets in the ring, rips the shirt off. He's looking good. He's looking trim, in good shape, looks confident. And then the bagpipes, and out comes Piper for his first match in some time. And... Uh, I guess his first match since WrestleMania 12 earlier that year, so not that long. Uh, but he comes yeah, out. Yeah. He comes out and he's uh, he he he's getting a huge reaction. He gets in the ring. The whole crowd's chanting Roddy, Roddy. They're excited for this match. This feels legitimately like a big fight. The announcers are outstanding. It's one of my favorite commentary duo or trios. The actually my favorite com, uh, car, uh, commentary and cartoon commentary <laughs> of all time of Tony, Bobby, and Dusty, and uh, Bobby Heenan carrying his hatred of Hulk Hogan to such yes. a degree that he becomes a babyface is phenomenal. <laughs> it's, it's, it's jarring at first to hear Bobby as a face, but it works because all three announcers openly rooting for Hogan to get his ass whipped yes. is, just, is just tremendous and adds so much to this match, so much drama. It starts out, and Hogan gets the early advantage because he's stronger, he, he kind of bullies Piper into the corner and slaps him. He's trying to the, – the announcers are telling the story that Hogan is trying to get Piper out of his game, trying to sucker Piper into going outside of the ring because if he's outside the ring, that's where Hogan has the advantage because DiBiase's there. 
and there's other members of the MWO that are always lurking around. So if Hogan can get him outside the ring, he'll have the advantage. But if they stay in the ring, you know, he's worried because he's never been able to beat Roddy Piper, which is true. Mm-hmm. Piper's mm-hmm. the one guy he was never able to pin. So that's something that they play off of, the fact that Piper spent all those years as Hogan's antagonist, and Hogan could not, for whatever reason, couldn't solve that riddle. And so now Piper is in the position of being the babyface who's conquering Hogan, and he's, you know, Roddy starts getting the advantage, and every time he takes the advantage, he'll hit him with a clothesline or come back with a punch, and, and Hogan will powder to the outside, and he'll try to sucker Roddy out there. And for the longest time, it doesn't work until it does. Eventually, it gets to the point where Piper gets so frustrated uh, that, that he chases Hogan to the outside, and he beats him all around ringside area, and it looks like Teddy DiBiase is going to do something, but he doesn't. He just backs off and Honestly, that was mostly the story of DBS. That's I was going to say very <laughs> consistent with the managerial career of Ted DiBiase. Yeah, he, he acts like he might do something, but then thinks better of actually doing anything and does nothing instead. So uh, relatable. Yeah, I was going to say he's a manager after my own heart. <laughs> um, so they they get into the ring and and you know there's all everything that you would expect from both guys in their respective roles. Piper at one point escapes a. Uh, I don't remember if it was a sleeper or what, but he escapes with the uh, the two fingers to the eye, three stooges eye poke. Yeah, man. Mm-hmm. And that gets one of the biggest pops of the match. People love it. Um, Piper Piper's moving around pretty good, honestly, for his age and for his injuries and stuff. He's he's running the ropes, clotheslines, does a suplex at one point. You know, he's you know they're they're by their standards they're they're cut they're they're not they're not working at a blistering pace, but they're cutting a decent pace. Um, and, and it's, uh, telling a good story. Hogan is, you know, he's bigger and stronger, but he just cannot figure out Roddy Piper. He can't figure out how to, how to put him away. Finally, Piper, uh, is on the mat. Hogan says he's going to end it now. And he goes for the big leg and he misses it. And Piper gets up and it looks like Piper is ready to, to take the advantage. And about this time, the giant who is, a, again, a member of the NWO, he comes moseying out to ringside. And this is the match kind of breaks down a little bit, a little bit, because the, the, they don't do a great job of distracting the official, in my opinion. <laughs> but well. uh, Hogan just kind of, like, grabs the referee, and the giant, who's seven feet tall and 400 pounds or whatever, the, the referee... He's elusive. He's an elusive giant. Yeah, the referee has to, just, has to actually physically attempt to not see him. And so, and so uh, the giant gets in and grabs Roddy Piper into the air in a choke slam position. And this is where it almost feels like time stands still because yes. uh, giant holds Piper in the air in this choke slam position for what had to be 35 seconds. He's up in the air, just holding him while Hogan is jostling with the referee, trying to make sure the referee doesn't see this literal giant behind him holding a man in the air. Meanwhile, some drunken redneck jumps the guardrail, zooms past Ted DiBiase, and slides in the ring and tries to tackle Hogan, who, who knees him in the face. And then Randy Anderson and Hulk Hogan start stomping the shit out of his in the corner. And then the officials pull the dude out, and one of the cops puts the guy in the Taz mission. Meanwhile, the giant <laughs> looks like his arm is finally about to fade. <laughs> holding a grown man in the air. It's only much longer. <laughs> and the giant, you can see his arms start to wiggle a little bit. 
And then Hogan <laughs> goes over to do the spot they were supposed to do a minute ago. And, and Piper kicks Hogan, knocks him over, bites the giant in the forehead, and then clotheslines the giant over the top rope. Uh, Hogan staggers back. Piper slaps on the sleeper hold, goes down. And I think at this point, all the fans are looking to the back, expecting more run-ins from the yeah. NWO. Nobody comes running out. And so they do the three-arm drop, the one, the two. And I thought this was actually a brilliant moment because it was a sign of how far Hulk Hogan had fallen. Because remember, this was a classic Hulk Hogan spot. The third arm, he's, mm-hmm. they're going to drop it a third time. He's going to Hulk up, and he's going to win the match. Well, now that he's Hollywood, he no longer has that power. The fans aren't on his side. The fans aren't giving him the energy. He drops for the third time, and Roddy Piper has just beaten Hulk Hogan cleanly in the middle of the ring with the sleeper hold, knocked him unconscious. The fans go nuts. Roddy has won. He's not the world champion, but he just made the world champion pass out to his sleeper hold. and. Yeah. Uh, there's some post-match shenanigans involving the giant, but to, I'd have to explain that the giant won World War Three, and you know the whole. Yeah, there's a lot else, of stuff yeah. going on, but he dropped the ball. That's what happened? Yeah, dropped the ball, brother. You got to work out though. You got to work out having to uh, hold Roddy Piper in the air for 20 minutes. <laughs> I'm telling you, I have no idea how strong Paul White must have been to do that. That was, I mean, not that Piper is this huge, huge dude, but sure. I mean. We, we know that wrestlers just even even guys like Piper that may, we might have thought were smaller when we were kids. Those guys are huge. They're all big. They're still yeah enormous human beings. And yeah. and the, for him to hold them up there that long was incredible. But even with all of that stuff with the drunken redneck fan trying to come in the ring and getting the hell beat out of him, uh, which to me kind of added to the to the situation. Honestly, that yeah. is so WCW. Right? Yes, it just yes. <laughs> It was, I, and like I said, I, I think the last episode, I may have I may have said something like this is the last great Roddy Piper match. I, maybe I, having watched it again, maybe it's not great, but I do think it's the last really good Roddy Piper match. We talked about yeah. that. I thought they told a really good story. Um, I think that as Hollywood Hogan matches go, this is one of the better ones. And um, I love the drama. The only thing I would have changed really is I would have had it be for the title. I think they could have switched the title here and had Hogan win it back at the yeah, the Alcatraz match they did the next month. <laughs> yes. <laughs> they, the could Alcatraz easily, special. they could have easily done that and, and and I think it would have been fine to switch the title here. because um, the you know, you just saw the world champion get beat at Starcade. And I know that Eric has said on his podcast that he never viewed Starcade the same way that a lot of the fans did. But like to me, that's just such a as great a finish as that is, it's a better finish if if Roddy wins his one and only world title there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Even if it's just for, like you said, that cup of coffee, just yeah. two months and he drops it back. I mean, fine, whatever. I mean, look, they, they had uh, Luger win it for a week. For a week, for, right? Exactly. At, a, at a time when they're building up Sting as as the mm-hmm. you know champion in waiting. So mm-hmm. why not just give it to Piper here? I, you know. But, um, yeah, I'm kind of with you. This is, I wouldn't call it a, a Matt classic by any means, but it's mm. it's on par with what you would expect to see from a Hulk Hogan-Roddy Piper singles match with the interesting facet of it, the, the role reversal. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, I know that the criticism everyone has is, oh, WCW had – no identity of their own. All they ever did was raid, you know, WWF's talent roster and, and recreated, 
what the WWF was in their glory days, you know, into their early 90s. And while you can say, yes, the same guys are there, it's it's the same faces you've seen before. WCW did a good job of acknowledging that history and building on it and not just giving you the same thing, yep. even though it's the same matches, right? We're, we're getting different dimensions to these characters now, just like Hogan and Savage. That was a total role reversal with, you know, heel NWO Hollywood Hogan. I know the match left something to be desired, but the story was really tremendous. And same thing here. We're, we're actually capitalizing on the fact that uh, Piper has been so protected throughout his career, hasn't taken that clean pinfall loss to Hulk Hogan. It's like, uh, you know, Piper, if anybody has got Hulk Hogan's number here, it's, it's Roddy Piper. And we like that, right? The fans are really into that now rather than seeing it as a liability. Mm-hmm. So I, I love that the, the new spin that we can put on these characters through particularly the NWO storyline. So uh, that's why I don't think that particular criticism necessarily holds water. Yeah. We've got, uh, yeah. And I love the match for what it is. Um, and I always have. There was a time where I don't think it was safe necessarily to say that you were a fan of this match, <laughs> yep, right? Um, or any of their matches, because they go on to they have they end up having a trilogy uh, of matches here in WCW. This, I mean, I think we can probably agree is the best of them. <laughs> the, yeah, the Alcatraz match is well quite something. Um, <laughs> and then that that thing at Halloween Havoc the next year is. <laughs> um it's own sort of set of challenges uh, um but here it, it kind of feels like a classic showdown between piper and hogan the way yeah. you'd want to see it this just this, with and, different and, dynamics here's the other thing that wcw gave the people that the wwf never did a definitive finish to a hogan and piper match very true yes like this never, we Very never true. saw in WWF, we never saw Piper, I never saw Piper pin Hogan, and we certainly never saw Hogan pin Piper. Here we exactly. get the first encounter in WCW. So. I mean, it was only missing a roll of quarters for me, you know. Um, <laughs> there you go, yes. <laughs> uh, I, I, I really like their promos. Well, not Hogan's as much because it was very Hogan, but I liked Piper's promo with Gene in the locker room. That's definitely worth a watch if you go back to watch this match. Um, and it does have that huge match feel to it. Um, and even though we're not doing any big spots, you know, it's pretty safe as far as the match goes. There are little things, little details in here that I really love, like when Piper picks up the ref and puts him on the turnbuckle and pats his head. Um <laughs> Little things like that, and, and, and even just his reaction to winning, he just kind of walks off. Like, yeah, like he's not, he is like not, it's another day. Yeah, he is not surprised one bit that he's beaten. No, him. uh, just right. and I was, I kept waiting for something to happen, you know, like yeah. is he gonna come back out? Like, nope, Piper just said, uh, I, I put you in the sleeper hold and you went to sleep, and then I walked off and with my sons. And it was just so nonchalant and so, frankly, non-Piper. Uh, it just I, – when you said they have a trio of matches, I was like, well, shit. 
<laughs> because this feels like Piper never even thought about Hogan again. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like where do you go from here? Yeah. Well, yeah. That, and 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 what they ended up doing was they put the title on the line in the Alcatraz match. If memory oh, goes. right. And well, they keep so- calling it the Alcatraz match. They don't have a match in the Alcatraz prison slash historical site. To be clear, no, <laughs> I no. think that's what it sounds like. We're saying. well, lame. Uh, no, yeah. but Piper cuts a promo from Alcatraz allegedly. Yes, he. Yeah. What is it? He has spent like um, uh, a week or something, or a few days, in, in the uh, to get his mind in the right uh, headspace for this match. It's a whole, yeah, it's a mood. It is, and uh, and then they just kind of shift immediately to the giant and Hogan. Um, you know, the giant very upset with everybody because mm, he didn't. Yeah. He didn't get any help from anybody. So it, it felt like a fever dream by the end of it, because now I'm thinking about the giant. And yeah, Hogan. there's a bunch of different. Th- and I think that's actually the idea, because the, the main event of the next mm-hmm. interview was going to be the giant versus Hogan for the world title. Because yes. yeah. World War Three earlier in this show, the giant lost to Lex Luger and none of the NWO yes. guys came out to help him. And so in this match, he came out to help Hogan. It didn't work. And then Hogan and the outsiders are berating him. And he's saying, where the hell were you guys when I mm-hmm. need you? you haven't been helping me. All I've been doing is helping you. And uh, and they're like, what do you want? The giant was out there. We thought he could do the job, right? Yeah. So. And, 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 and again, the announcing in this match is just it's, amazing. Oh, Bobby point, is just, oh, chef's at, kiss. At like, one point when, when Piper pulls that belt off and starts whipping Hogan with it. And Tony's like, he got that belt from a security guard or. Or I guess maybe it was a fan. And Bobby goes, who cares? He's got a belt and he's whipping Hogan with it. Take my belt. I don't care. <laughs> and then he says something about he's pulling Hogan's hair. Yeah. <laughs> like that that won't take long. Yeah, yeah Tony says, <laughs> pulling out all of Hogan's hair. And Bobby goes, well, the good news is that won't take long. <laughs> <laughs> Just so petty. Yep. Just, yep. I love it. <laughs> it's uh, Yeah, this, this was – this is the beginning of my sweet spot of like where I think WCW was at its absolute best was like starting in really starting at the NWO angle in the summer. But honestly, like this is where it really like they start the they fit, start the ball rolling on the sting stuff. Piper comes in. Uh, you get you're about to get the turn of DDP and his whole thing with Randy Savage. Mm-hmm. Um, you're about to get heel Eddie Guerrero. It it starts a, an incredible run of WCW television and pay-per-views, in my opinion. I'm yeah, they're it. covering all that on the Wrestling Warzone. I'll know so. Yeah, so you can really good. Relive all of that. Doing really good work there on uh, our our sister network, the North South Connection. So soft plug, if you will, right? There you go. Um, if you're if you're yeah, so a soft plug, not not like being jerked violently or going going. <laughs> right, not like the. Nice plugs that make up uh hollywood hogan's hair no um <laughs> he definitely does not have this um it's remarkable what the promotion was able to accomplish here kind of in that second half of the year 1996 even without sting wrestling or even really actively appearing most of the time and we forget ddp is still kind of a mid-card heel right mm-hmm. he's not even a major face getting the push that he would um the next year and i mean bringing in piper just a stroke of genius um on the part of this promotion gives you this this great 
huge main event to close out what's been a tremendous year for the company. Um, and I, I mean, I, I think kind of breathes new life into Roddy Piper, whose career, I mean, some would say at this point, he was a little bit washed, right? I mean, yeah. I'm not saying that Gold Dust match was the worst thing in no. the world at WrestleMania, no. but yeah. is that really how we wanted to remember Roddy Piper? Like, right. If, if that had been his last match ever, it's sort of like, is this fitting? You know, is this right. like the, the best we could have done with this guy? And uh, no, in fact, uh, he is back in a big way here uh, for this, you know, what is pretty much their, their biggest event of the year, despite what Eric Bischoff might say and feel about it. Um, they had the ability to do so, so they brought him in and, and uh, we get this, which I enjoyed a great deal. I did look at, by the way, I was curious. I wanted to see, like, everybody talked about how, oh, you know, the main eventers in, in WCW are so old. They need to get out of the way. Let these, you know, young guys step up and, and take the spotlight. They need to get out of there. They're just taking up space, you know, breathing all the air in the room, that kind of thing. Uh, so Roddy Piper is, would have been 43 at the time of this match. Uh, Hollywood Hogan would have been 44. No. By oh, this really? comparison, yeah, AJ Styles <laughs> is about to be 46. Huh? Yeah, people age a lot worse. <laughs> yeah, AJ Styles is about to be 46, like, wow. in a month. Wow. Just to put it in perspective. That's crazy. Isn't it? Just the, I mean. That is wild. You know, Brian Danielson is in his 40s. Samoa Joe is in his 40s. It's, and Bobby people are Bobby. like, yeah, let Bobby them Bobby. wrestle forever, right? So it's not, I guess it's so much not your age as it is what you bring to the table. Exactly. And back then, also, 40 was not, I suppose, what it is today. Is, but is, I mean, is Roddy the only wrestler that appeared at WrestleMania and Starcade in the same year? Uh, twice, in fact, right? Um, so he did the first Starcade and first WrestleMania. Well, that wasn't the yeah, same that was, year. Yeah, that was a year. Yeah, year apart. Years apart. Years apart. So, yeah, this would be the same year. Um, it's WrestleMania 12. Yeah. I'd, yeah, I'd, I'd have to look at that. I don't know. Could yeah, be. I'm not either but it's could seems, it could be it could be could be true uh, uh <laughs> he, yeah he, he he has the fight with gold dust at, at wrestlemania 12 and then it started and what i was gonna say is like if you've watched the wwf pay-per-views around this time not that they're not good pay-per-views at times they're, they're some of them are but like for instance SummerSlam 96. they're real flat in comparison yes starcade that that shows you how great of a job wcw had done because Star, this Starcade show feels like a bigger show than the WWE. Oh, by far. Yeah. It just the the star power, the the matches up and down the card, the crowd engagement. It just feels like this is a bigger deal than the stuff that's happening in the competition, which nobody else has been able to do with the WWF. Uh, and and WWE had it. Um, and this was around. They had it. Got yep. it. And they held it for quite some time. 83 they weeks. Had it and they held it. 83 weeks. Yep. 
Bone to bone, I, they had it, and they held it. Bone to bone, they had it going on, and I would I think we <laughs> I would had it going on, too. Viciously jerk anyone if it meant bringing WCW back. <laughs> Me too, man. Same. Hard same. <laughs> well said. But, uh, so what is uh, – whose turn is it to pick on our, uh, on our rotating wheel of picks? Well, I picked this. Didn't I? Yes. Yes, you did. I believe yes. you did pick. Who this. was our Who was our last subject? Was that Was that Mr. Steamboat? It was uncensored. Oh, that was me. So this that means okay. it's up to Mr. That means Mr. I am Tim's next. Turn. Yep. That means I'm on the spot now, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. So why don't we do? Why don't we do? Bob Cottle. Prince Iakea. <laughs> Bob Cottle and Prince Iakea. <laughs> um. I kind of want to, hmm, could we get away with, could we get away with Tully Blanchard? Yes. Oh, yeah. 100%. How do y'all feel about that? Y'all like it? Yes. I like yeah. it. I love it. All right, book it. Our next episode, we're doing Tully Blanchard. One of my favorite wrestlers of all time. Okay, that I didn't know that. Fun. All right. I didn't know that about you, Greg Phillips. See, I'm already learning things. All right, I'm glad. I'm confident in this pick now. Tully Blanchard gonna be our next episode i was i was hoping you would lean more tag team but this actually is good i thought about it you can thought about you we can, yes. we can certainly pick some tag you can team pick tag teams with him yep he's got a lot of great tag matches so that's what i automatically think of him as is a tag wrestler as opposed mm-hmm. to singles makes sense all right well we've got some very fun uh research ahead of us we do. Uh, but I really enjoyed this episode, you guys. I um, Yes, the hot rod. There's a lot of ways we could have gone with this. We could have gone more modern. By modern, I mean 90s. Mm-hmm. Uh, Roddy, we we were more heavily weighted for towards the 80s. Um, but, you know, it's it's one of those we could always revisit, just like a lot sure. of guys. Totally. Surprised we haven't done it yet. And I feel like I feel like this was a good episode because the 80s, let's face it, 80s Roddy is when he was at his absolute best. However, I feel like 90s WCW Piper gets maligned by a lot of people. And I think he was a lot better than people give him credit for. Maybe not in the ring at all times. And maybe he went off the rails at times as well with his promo. <laughs> but the most part, I, I he was cool. He cut great. He still cut entertaining promos. He still had the Roddy Piper aura about him in a way that he had kind of he kind of didn't have when he did his later comeback in the WWE. Uh, Agreed. This was still Roddy Piper as Roddy Piper. And I, and I think he did a lot of great stuff in WCW. Well said. Uh, Do you have anything else that you want to plug Greg? Well, fans, if you want to see more of Bob Cottle's (laughs) car dealership, you can visit me on Twitter at G Phillips, eight, six, five, two. And that's What about you, Tim? Uh, well, Do it there's Gordon another. Sully, though. Well, fans, uh, <laughs> the other professional wrestling podcast you can find me on is with uh, my dear friend Jennifer Smith and uh, Jacob Williams. It is PTB NXT here on Place to Be Nation Wrestling. Uh, that's a monthly podcast, just like it's appealed directly to your prefrontal cortex. <laughs> yeah, available uh, on closed circuit only. Um, <laughs> so, Jenny, we'll probably have an episode of that coming up. 
yeah, yeah. around the time that, that people are hearing this, if, if not out already. Um, well, be, it, it tends to run pretty adjacent to this show. Yeah, yeah. We've been pretty uh, current. I've been pretty proud of us. Stick I think so. We, we've been we've been hanging in there. Uh, beyond that, on the Place B Nation pop experience, they're not Place B Nation wrestling, but Place B Nation pop with the fine folks over there. Those being Scott Shiflett, Sean Kidd, and Andy Atherton. I do a comics podcast that is called Traitors of the Lost Arcs. Uh, Lost being kind of a subjective term, but basically it's a show where we read and review old comics. (laughs) I tend to, my tastes tend towards more of the obscure. Others, their mileage may vary, but we all kind of have um, different takes on comics of the past like me and sean um are both very old and have read comics forever um scott shifflett is very young um but as an avix comics reader andy atherton has never really read comics at all so kind of a kind of an interesting mix Mm -hmm. of perspectives i find on that show What about Danny Hodge? Is he an avid comics reader as well? <laughs> it's a Danny Hodgepodge of people, Connie. A Danny Hodgepodge of people, yes. We're going to look at some Danny Hodge comics uh, next time. Around. No. Well, I, I, I don't um, know who he fights in these comics, but I can promise you this. He whips their ass. If it's Hodge, <laughs> they have no chance. Really OP, his, by the way, his stats. If you you know, if you know, ever collected the, uh, the trading cards uh, from... Oh yeah, the Fleer Ultra trading cards of the '90s. Danny Hodge was maxed out at seven on like everything. Absolutely. Um, some of the some of the stats even said NA, Conrad. It, yes, <laughs> not not applicable to to him. Um, so you can check that out. This plug is taking forever. Um, <laughs> and I have another podcast. It is called Nine O Two One No So. It's its own dedicated show, not part of any network although it is a spinoff of the north south connection you can look for it on your preferred podcatcher app 9021 no so myself and jt rosero and a rotating guest for each and every episode recaps and reviews of beverly hills 90210 we're like halfway through season two now we've been at it for a minute and we're on a real hot streak of episodes i gotta say november mm-hmm. sweeps oh like four in a row just been knocking it out of the park so that podcast has been a real joy for us to do, hopefully for you guys to listen to as well. You can find me on Twitter. I am at Psych68CYKE68. If you want to get in touch, DM me, whatever you want to do, and we'll connect. We'll <sighs> link up. Is that all, Jim? All right. We'll link up. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, we'll connect. I was a guest on um, 90210 so recently. I got to do a really you big sure episode. sure were. It was a um, very was big episode. So check that one out yeah. for sure. And um, uh, on Wednesdays on the North-South Connection, that's my day. So you can catch one of my shows, uh, be it you about Pluto or GC Dub, a game-changing podcast, um, or a new one called Talking Docs, where we review documentaries. Mm. Um, so I'll link that on my Twitter at Jenny Position every week. And uh, you can check those out. And... Uh, That's it. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we will see you next time.